0: Hello and welcome to Open Sources Guelph here on CFRU, 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. I'm Adam A. Donaldson of Guelph Politico and
1: joining me is Scotty Hertz. Uh, Adam, you'll be pleased to know that I actually did sign up for the Contemporary Cinema course after my uh, Metaverse appearance on end credits, so (laughs) it happened. I'm in movie land. Dreams can come true. Look, you've been talking about it for a long time. Yeah, it finally happened. <laughs> First up, Jaws. So seriously? Awesome. Yeah. Oh, you'd love this course. Come join with me. I'm, it's online. You know, you can. You can do a whole nother show uh unfortunately there's an election on in case you oh that's heard, right so, Sorry, i yeah. forgot completely sidetracked again let me come back to this universe <laughs> it's kind of a busy we'll get cracking yeah. busy
0: time yeah anyway yeah. open source is the cfru's political and current affairs discussion show you can find us here every thursday at 5 p.m as we talk about the latest news items from guelph ontario canada and around the world and we sometimes interview local newsmakers and politicians which this week will be a uh, two candidates running in the current provincial election at the bottom of the hour, we're going to hear from the incumbent MPP for Guelph, Green Party leader Mike Schreiner, and uh, there's going to be a lot to talk about there. But first, we're going to talk to James Parr, who is the NDP candidate, and it occurred to me he's kind of the youngest guy on the ballot. Well, he's not kind of the youngest guy, he is the youngest guy on the ballot, <laughs> um, but by I was going to say a considerable amount, but I don't want to make the other candidates sound old. But about a uh, country mile? Yeah, yeah. but I mean, he's like a legit millennial on Whoa. the ballot. So, yeah, so it, it, it's interesting to talk to him. It's also been interesting to see him debate because he's been debating with a lot of humor and a lot of um, a lot of sort of down to earth appeal because he's he's been in the millennial trenches. So he knows how hard it is out there for. Uh, some for for everyone under 30 and we definitely Mm -hmm. talk about that and we talk about his climate anxiety and uh, you know trying to afford rent in Guelph and how he hopes to change all of that as an NDP member of provincial parliament so we're going to get started here with our very busy show by hitting play on our interview with James Parr so James Parr thank you for joining us today
2: Thank you so much for having me. It's been a bit since I spoke, but uh, I'm <laughs> excited to dive a bit more into the details with you on this one. It has been
0: a bit since we spoke, and we did have you on, I think it was in March or April. Anyway, um, having said that, uh, you know, if if people missed that interview, why don't you t- just take a quick minute to introduce yourself to the people so uh, they know where you're coming from?
2: Uh, the nitty and gritty of it is: I'm a renter. I'm an employee. It wasn't too long ago. I was living in my parents' basement, earning very close to minimum wage. I am running to fix the issues that are affecting me and the average Ontarian. And my pledge to everyone is I want to make it better for myself and I want to make it better for you because we need someone with the same lived experiences to be able to fight for the average wall fight.
0: I'm going to start there because uh, you are the youngest person in this race. And, like, do you think that? I guess, so look at it a couple of ways. Do you think that A, that sort of gives you uh, sort of an appeal because you're sort of like the freshest face on the ballot and, and B, um, does having someone younger on the ballot who may be able to speak to the concerns of younger people, does that matter?
2: I think it really matters. Um, I, I hope I can resonate well with voters, but I was just at the Realtor Association debate and they were talking about, oh, this might affect People and everyone in that room owns a house i mm. don't own a house mm-hmm. so everyone's talking about what might help right not and i'm like i don't own a house that won't <coughs> quite help like like four thousand dollars off a uh, land transfer tax is still $4 million dollars like that is chump change in the global scheme of things so uh i feel i bring a unique voice because i have so much osap debt still i still struggle to pay for uh my bills and and get the average things that we need. Uh, I'm not saying the other candidates don't. Or I'm not saying they haven't struggled, but it's been a while since they've had to pay off their OSAT fees. Right. So it, I have a bit more of a fresh perspective on it.
0: You've talked pretty openly about um, your your conf- your confronting your own mental health and and getting help on that. But I was wondering if you could talk about it from the point of view of climate anxiety, because I, one of the things I've sort of come to my mind in this election is that um, we're not really hearing the young people um, when they're talking about their concerns about the future, especially when it comes around climate change. And it does feel like the issue is kind of being buried in this election. So would you just mind talking from your point of view, like your climate anxiety?
2: Yeah. Um, Man, I spent a couple hundred dollars talking to my therapist about this exact same thing. <laughs> um, last summer uh, was one of the hottest on record. Um, I we saw the fires across Canada, followed by uh, uh, freezing in Texas. To uh, up north, like every day is a different climate emergency, and every day the UN releases some different report about how the world is all going to hell in a handbasket I'm not sure if I can say that word on this podcast but I did it's fine Um, (laughs) uh, but uh, the scary thing for youth and us is everyone's talking about how big of an issue it is we have to live with this world for the next 70-80 years unless we're planning on just partying hard till we're uh, (laughs) unable to do it anymore but no so what kills me in this, this election is I'm going out and talking about how this is it's either now or never. Like if we don't act now and start reducing our emissions today, it's going to be even harder to hit our climate accords. And we're already hitting that 1.5, 1.6 or two degrees of the average global warming. The UN is saying once we've hit this, all hope's lost. And if so, every election cycle, I'm out there saying we need to act now, and uh, if the sad thing is, if we don't have action, then I've, uh, and we don't see it, like, it, it, we are walking towards towards a catastrophe. So about my anxiety and about all this is, these are the biggest issues, but we're not talking about them. And mm. I'm trying to steer the direction towards it. And there's a lot of young people who feel like and they've given up altogether, because how many times have we heard a politician say we have to address climate change, and then nothing happens? And it it starts to build on you because you start to wonder what's the even point of getting a university degree or paying off my debts because the world's going to burn anyways. Like that is the high end cynical way, but the climate anxiety is always there because I would love to live in a world where my news on my phone isn't filled with once in a lifetime uh, wars or events. But unfortunately, it's always turmoil and it's very hard to picture a life like long-term when you're always just worried about surviving today.
0: Right. And, you know, I sometimes hear this from people that the the, the finding solutions begins by not talking about the catastrophe. Um, But I mean, you're, you're kind of making a point against that. You know, it seems like everyone's kind of ignoring the catastrophe and kind of maybe step one is to, I guess, kind of let it out as as you're kind of inferring. Yeah.
2: Acknowledge it. Yeah. Acknowledge that we're living through, something that we help create and that we are responsible for. We have to acknowledge it and not just gaslight protesters or young people that feel like that it's the top priority and be like, oh, we can't afford this. Well, we afforded a $1. Uh, $1. $1.3 billion, whatever it was, sticker rebate for all the cars. We can afford a new highway. We always can afford, we can afford a WSIB payment, repayment to corporations. We can pay, we can afford things from corporations, with them. But the moment any citizen wants it, oh, we can't afford it. So mm-hmm. it's it starts to really get to you as a citizen being like, what, why am I voting or paying taxes? Because every time I want, all the money just goes towards corporations. Mm-hmm. So that's a bit of my, my spiel. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's just difficult. We have, to, we have to acknowledge and have to address it today.
0: All right. Well, you opened the door to talking about labor stuff. And, and I did want to yeah. ask this. Because the the, the IBEW uh, became the third union to endorse uh, Doug Ford and the PCs today, as we're reporting on Tuesday. Um, I mean, NDP used to be the party of labor. Uh, what, what's going on, James?
2: <laughs> I I I don't know. Um, I I don't know why we've we've heard nothing but outrage for the last four years during the pandemic about our. Uh, distaste for the current government and i don't quite understand the polling mm-hmm. and i i live in guelph and guelph is and we we've elected the first green mp like we we put our, our environment first so i don't i don't quite get uh why they did that i'm ensuring that they did it in their own uh they have their reasons and i'm not going to ever question anyone for voting a certain way or anything
0: mm-hmm.
2: um but i don't i don't get it um we're <laughs> promising a higher minimum wage we want to put workers back on the boards we want to uh really ensure that everyone has dental, pharma, and mental health care uh, to make the average working uh, person's life better. I I don't understand the shift and I don't, I'm not in a position to even quote on it, but I I just don't get it. I guess then, you know,
0: is there a messaging gap? Are you worried that maybe (sighs) <sighs> people aren't listening to you know, like a lot of these ideas. I think a lot of people are are want th- these ideas like making and it's certainly uh, something. And I think you've experienced, too, when you go to the, your debates and you're talking to Rochelle and Mike and sometimes Juanita and Paul when they're there. And it seems like work, you know, there are differences, but it all kind of seems like we're on the same page.
2: Yeah, all all three. I'm up there. I'm saying we're going to hire ex-doctors Rochelle's very similar Mike's all this like we're all saying roughly the same points as as someone who wants to see the overall uh system improve um it makes me feel good as someone who (laughs) wants to try to score points to 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 win the electorate makes it a bit difficult because we're all promising a very good progressive package so yeah all the candidates honestly all want to improve our healthcare system we all want to start safeguarding the environment we all want to reinvest in schools. We all have different flavors on how we want to do it, uh, but we all acknowledge the big issues before us. At least the liberals, conservatives, and the NDP acknowledge that we have a massive affordability issue. Mm. Uh, we have a massive costing issue. We have a massive healthcare. We have we have a lot of work to be done, and it's it's very nice to be up on a stage with two other very uh, nice people. Uh, <laughs> but uh, we're all talking roughly the same thing. Uh, so um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a shame that the conservative can't be in there to, to, to give their share, but it's hard to contrast against a party that's not there.
0: Right. I wanted to ask you about one uh, NDP um, piece of legislation in particular, the Our London Families Act, um, which, which came up in the last session um, in response to what happened in uh london last summer the 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 muslim family that were uh killed uh and unfortunately did not become law but i mean given what happened in buffalo on sunday uh is, is that should this be like priority number 1 regardless of you know who forms government but i mean also especially if the ndp forms government since it's your legislation
2: oh 100% um the Everyone should feel safe uh, living in their communities. Um, no one should feel safe for having to, uh, to face any uh, bigotry or having to go to church or school. Uh, every Canadian, Ontarian deserves to feel safe regardless of what it is. And unfortunately, there is a growing... Uh, I'm not sure if it's growing, but there's, there are people and uh, organizations within Canada that are, are actively trying to repress some uh, some people or make them feel like they're not welcomed. Um, uh, the NDP have put forward several really good anti-racism strategies by uh, by taking a hard look internally in government to making sure that we have proper representation within civil service and that people can progress upwards. Uh, we want to make sure that we don't allow white supremacist groups to... Uh, claim NGO status and um, being able to even establish themselves uh, because every Canadian, regardless of what it is, feel the love that everyone else feels. And I don't Mm -hmm. think people feel that right now. They feel targeted, they feel hated, and it's so sad. So yeah, top priority needs to make sure that everyone in uh, Canada, Guelph, Ontario feels the same love that I feel. Uh and and that the hatred and the deep-seated racism that might be out there is is tackled and we address it properly.
0: It almost sounds like you're kind of connecting all these issues too. People aren't feeling secure. They so they seek out some security and it's ends up being hate.
2: Yes. Uh people now live in echo chambers. Mm. Um, I I'm guilty of it. I go on Reddit or I go on uh my through my news sources. Uh, the star of the globe, whatever. And I I hear one point of view, Uh, but there are other people who get their, all their, their news from Facebook or uh, through those, all the new alt-right news organizations that are popping up And in their world. They're hearing the truth. Right. And one thing that you heard from the Fox was Fox news organization was talking about um, some of the main issues, which were just blatant lies that the Buffalo shooter took as fact. Mm. And, uh And even through the eroding of their democracy and their elections, it's just so sad because people just get don't we don't all have the same news anymore. Mm. everyone has their own echo chambers
0: right right, right so
2: i mean as as you' were kind of alluding to
0: this ties together too, people are kind of wanting action now. people are facing serious. Uh, issues now and for anyone who's listening to this who has a toothache that can't go away because they can't afford to see the dentist or mental health issues that they can't deal with because they can't afford to see a therapist how quickly can like some of these big bold policies that you, that you and the NDP are talking about like how quickly can those be put into action uh if there's an NDP government on June 2nd like how soon after June 3rd does some of this stuff come to fruition
2: that is a good question. Um, <laughs> our plan is within the first year, starting to get coverage. Uh, day one on the pharmacare pharma account, uh, cancer drugs, PrEP drugs, and uh, other like life-saving drugs will be free from day one. Uh, we'll enact legislation to fill the gap. We want to increase ODSP day one, uh, start deprivatizing pharmacare day one, and then enroll in, uh, slowly out to hit the bigger achievable things because it does take time to draft legislation, listen to stock uh, stakeholders and making sure that we fully uh, have a wraparound approach and not just holes in legislation um, because uh, that's what responsible government does. But there is massive holes today that we need to fill. And that's mm-hmm. why we're talking about like day one rent control. Uh, we're talking about uh, rent subsidies and just really trying to stop gap measures and then trying to roll out some broader legislation.
0: Right. Yeah. I forgot about rent control, which, uh, I mean, <laughs> speaks to speaks to the vastness of the problem when you forget about key planks. But I mean, addressing sort of the cynicism, I almost couldn't say the word, but the cynicism in all this, um, I'm sure you encounter it at the door sometimes the people you talk to. It's like, well, this, these are like really great ideas. Can you do it, James? Can Andrea Horvath do it?
2: Well, we're trying. Um, and that's the what I always try to push back is because I always get two things. I hear about what about Ray Days? And I wasn't alive during Ray Days, so I can't <laughs> comment on that at all. I don't even know. I had like people at the door how to tell me about it. So I won't make those same mistakes. Uh, but the cynicism, uh, I won't even bother to say that word because I can't. But the uh, disbelief or the uh, cynicism is there because for so long they've hear uh, politicians promise something and not delivering. But the way I say it is at least we're promising to make your life better. And we're going to try to do it. Like it isn't like we're running on building a highway to help our developer buddies or, or ignoring climate change altogether. We're going to try to move the needle in your direction. Uh, So, yeah, but I can't, I can't debate the cynicism because there's been years of nothing and years Mm. of, cross party squabbles or uh uh and people feel like they're not been heard it's it's true it's there
0: i'll just say there's been like 10 star wars movies since the last time anyone talked about ray day so maybe we should (laughs) let
2: it rest in peace (laughs) yeah some good ones and some really bad ones
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah um this is another going to be another challenge for you and i'm sure you're feeling it too you know you mentioned mike schreiner history-making election in 2018. I think a lot of people probably feel, and I'm not trying to endorse him or anything, but a lot of people feel he's probably been pretty good representation for Guelph. He certainly got a lot of attention. So, um, you know, w- when when people ask, you know, James, why, why should I vote for you instead of Mike or maybe Peter McSherry, who might uh, end up being part of a The incumbent government if they're reelected what's 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 the best pitch for going with james as opposed to mike or peter or rochelle um
2: the the pitch is the party i can talk about why i'd work hard why i would uh because i've spent my entire life in guelph i i work with the community i understand um the issues that are facing us. And because of my age, I understand what really affordability means when I can't even enter the housing market. Mm. Uh, But on the party, we're a leader of the opposition right now. We're in the closest position to get rid of Doug Ford. We have one of the boldest climate uh, actions to the Green New Democratic deal out there. But on top of that, so we're also offering dental care, pharmacare, mental health care, reinvestments in our schools, our hospitals. So uh, and we're part of a larger party so I fully agree uh, with that uh, Mike's done a great job for guelph and he's he's highlighted a lot of big issues but the votes aren't always there mm. and uh, and and the Green Party's done a great work at advocating for uh, climate change and a lot of issues um, uh, that the other parties have adopted and uh, but when it when it comes to uh, why us um, I won't ever attack any of the other people. I think Rochelle's great. Mike's great. Uh, I haven't had a lot of interaction with Peter, so I can't comment on it. But like, personally, they're all amazing people. Mm-hmm. On the party level, uh, the NDP is the closest to get rid of Doug Ford. So if you mm-hmm. don't like Doug Ford and you want a progressive healthcare system and a, a serious, robust climate change agenda, the NDP is that party.
0: Mm-hmm. What is an issue that you're worried that... Uh and we've covered a lot of issues in the last 20 minutes or so, but, you know, is there a particular issue you're worried isn't getting the airtime it needs this election? Maybe something we haven't
2: talked about yet. Well, it's got airtime, but I feel like it hasn't been properly debated is is climate change. Like affordability is the biggest issue. So everyone's talking about housing and I get it. We have to talk housing. I can't afford a house. We can't afford groceries. That is number one. Uh, but. The environment, everyone just says they have a plan, but I've yet to get actually any real pushback questions about like, is it achievable? How are we going to do it? Mm. Or um, so I think a lot of I, I wish that we would really highlight the importance of it, especially going into a world a summer where we're expecting global food shortages mm. because either conflicts in uh, in Ukraine or uh, crop yield problems, your lack of fertilizer. Uh, in our country, like we we have serious climate change issues. Say there's flooding in northern communities. There's flooding in, uh, across the border in our neighboring provinces. Climate change is here, and we're not talking about it. Um, we, we're talking a lot about uh, the other big issues that are equally important: uh, getting profit on long-term care, uh, helping out first-time homebuyers to uh, our dental and pharma care plans, um, but. The environment it is talked about but really it should be more of a centerpiece in the selection i feel like it isn't but mm-hmm. we have so much other catastrophes going on that i understand why it isn't i just wish it was right so i mean
0: you know you again you, you've talked a lot about your mental health so i mean surely you have been given sort of strategies and i don't expect you to disclose any anything that's deeply personal or anything but you know if, if if we're like leaving this interview kind of bummed out so I mean how do okay. you, how do you stay positive because you've been you've been coming at this campaign with a lot of humor and a lot of uh yeah you know people I think have been connecting to you on that personal level so how do you stay positive
2: i I have a great team around me um I think uh politics is important and uh, and the good old debate is is, is there, but I just try to always take a step back and realize that we're all just people. Mm. Uh, the liberals, even uh, all parties uh, believe what they're doing is the best thing for wealth. We have different ways of doing it. Uh, but honestly, the ways I get through is long baths. <laughs> um, taking a di- I got my pottery still through the city. So I could, uh, I, I, I like to get out. I'm opening up my garden beds right now that right now they're overgrown with weeds. Uh, but Uh, I just, I just try to refocus on what I like to do and just book in a little bit of time to be able to do it. Uh, It's in in debates. I'm always trying to crack jokes because some of them are pretty boring or not boring, (laughs) but like when you have, when you have three identical part, not identical, but when you have three parties, all roughly saying we're all going to fix healthcare. um, It doesn't, it doesn't quite come across. So I like to add humor. It's a great way of me. I'm always anxious when I'm up on stage, I'm not sure if it comes across. So I like to crack jokes to make myself feel better. Um, Either if it's I've stopped doing the self-deprecating ones because I realized I can't make fun of myself. That's the other party's jobs. Um, uh, But it's really just treating this as we're all trying to do better for wealth. We're all believe a different way of doing it. But no one's out to get you. At least they're not out to get me. Right. And I haven't screwed up yet. so. (laughs)
0: fair enough (laughs) maybe to wrap up um what would you tell other young people about running for office uh like people your your kind of age um if we're trying to get more young people involved in actual politics i mean you still have half a campaign left but you know you've, you've probably taken some lessons so far so if someone you know someone 29 28 says like hey james should i run for office what do you say
2: um well my it will probably change the longer i'm doing it but i'll say (laughs) do it it is it is a lot of work it is it is it is tough on your mental health um but it's it is worth it because uh you do get to put forward your view and your perspective and change the actual debates um and and you could have a voice at the table and then come June 3rd, you can do nothing for a week and feel like you've accomplished everything. <laughs> so, um, so, but get out there and do things. And there's several different ways of doing it. You can get on your local EDA or uh, you can get on advocacy groups because a lot of the policies that I'm putting forward are prescribed through uh, or were created by different NGOs or um, different advocacy groups that, that are knowledgeable. Politicians listen to them and they can communicate across multiple parties. So there's many different ways to get involved. Running is one of them, but we only have elections every four years. Mm. So, uh, but there's always political work to be done. So Mm. as much as I say, run, go run, but there's so many other little organizations that you could probably do equally well in and get, get your message put forward easier.
0: All right. That's solid, solid political advice from, an emerging political expert. So we'll leave it there. James Parr, thank you so much for all your time today. Good luck
2: on the rest of the campaign. Thank you. And I'm sorry if anyone had to listen to my ramblings, (laughs) but um, I had a lot of fun today. Oh, good.
0: (laughs) So once again, that was James Parr running for the NDP. If uh, you thought one candidate for this show was great, like having one candidate on the show is great. Hold on to your socks we're gonna go to number two it's two for one it's two for one week on open sources <laughs> <laughs> and we'll be right back with you know you know him you love him he's been MPP for four years he's Mike schreiner we'll be right back here on open sources Guelph on CFRU 93.3 FM cFru.CA Guelph campus and community radio. Yeah,
1: I know your stairs and your doorway I walk down your street Past your gate I stand by the light of the four-way You watch a massive fall. Oh baby, they all have heart attacks
0: They stay at the carnival But they'll never win you back I'll see you tonight But i downtown
1: And that was our Royal Records Pick of the Week. Royal Records, 21 Macdonnell in the downtown. The unmistakable voice of Tom Waits there with Downtown Train. Mm -hmm. And Tom Waits was one of the favorite authors, authors, no, musicians of Michael Wycraft, a name you may or may not know. If you've been to Hillside in the past, however many years, a long time MC there. And also if you've held a Canadian album in your hands in the past, I don't know, I think 30 years, he may have done the art for it. Passed away this week. Um, sadly, of uh, several health complications, but uh, so that's we've lost two hillside MCs this year so far. So mm-hmm. be an interesting hillside and in the tributes that will come from that. Yet strangely, Tom Waits is still among us, and Keith Richards was trending today, but yet <laughs> yet uh, is still alive. Yeah, <laughs> he's trend- one guy you know when he's trending that he's probably not dead. So ah, oh, that's true. Actually, mm. that's very true.
0: A great segue for Mike, by the way. Um, So, I mean, you've heard this voice on the show at least a dozen times over the last few years. Uh, He is Mike Schreiner. He is the current MPP for Guelph. He's the current Green Leader. Coming off a pretty good week. He was uh, endorsed by the OSSTF, the the high school teachers union, um, on Wednesday, which is kind of surprising since typically they go NDP and actually mm-hmm. went they, they endorsed the full slate of NDP candidates in Waterloo region and came to a and endorsed Mike. Um, so, you know, that, let, that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. let that be what you think or whatever you think. I don't know where I was going with that, but also um, he also has part of the leaders debate this week, which was um, historic in its own way um, being on the stage with del duca ford and horvath we're going to touch on the bigger provincial picture very briefly at the beginning and then we're going to get into issues stuff and and what he has learned from his time as mpp and maybe what he would do differently if hindsight was 2020 so we're going to get into it with mike schreiner starting right now mike schreiner thank you so much for joining us today
3: oh always a pleasure to join you adam
0: well, I appreciate that because I know you were on power and politics last week. So like you were at the big time table. So you're but you're still street and, and we, we really appreciate that here.
3: Well, well, hopefully, hopefully, you know, power and politics, power play, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I still got street cred here in Guelph, right? <laughs> That's
0: right. <laughs> uh, speaking to that, uh, you know, you are a party leader along with a candidate running in Guelph. I just want to throw this by you first. Uh, you know, we're recording on Sunday. Yesterday, I get these itineraries from the Canadian press about what the leaders are up to every day. Doug Ford didn't have any campaign events Saturday. He didn't have any campaign events last Sunday. I guess, you know, how, how do you, how are you feeling? Like, is, is Doug Ford, like, taking this seriously? Does it feel like?
3: Well, it seems to be the conservative strategy to avoid talking to people throughout this campaign, uh, both at a provincial and local level, unfortunately. Uh, you know, Mr. Ford hardly makes himself available to the media. Certainly, isn't you know taking long question and answers. Like I, we rele- the Ontario Greens released our platform on Thursday, and you know I think I was answering questions from the media for almost an hour. And, you know, I think Mr. Ford has cut it off after about 10 minutes for each of his of his media availabilities. And and I, I have a lot of respect for Peter McSherry. Like I have a lot of, I know all the Guelph candidates uh, pretty well in this campaign and respect all of them a great deal. But, you know, it's unfortunate that um, he hasn't been to a single debate yet. And I, I don't know if he will will be in any of the debates. And I don't even think that necessarily his decision but it just seems like the entire conservative campaign at the provincial and local levels is to avoid talking to people and you know i think a big part of democracy is listening to citizens answering their questions being held accountable by the media uh, I, I welcome that scrutiny and, and and i think as somebody you know as an incumbent running for reelection, uh, you know i want people to hold me accountable and part of that is answering their questions
0: then let's talk about issues. Then um, this is kind of a recent one, but it made me think about, uh, you know, the, the shooting at tops in Buffalo uh, yeah. this weekend made me think about the um, the Our Families Act, which uh, mm-hmm. came up in the last parliament. Unfortunately, didn't make it to final reading and uh, royal assent. Uh, should that be a priority when le- the
3: legislature comes back after the election? Yeah, I've already said publicly, Adam, that one of my top priorities is to uh, ensure that we work hard to pass the Our London Families Act. And and I really want to see all four parties support it. I I think it's really important that that this act not be a a partisan uh, act and that we show solidarity across party lines, because I think we need to send a clear and strong message to the rise and white supremacist groups and, and hate groups that that will not be tolerated in Ontario. We stand united as Ontarians against that. And all four parties in the legislature are, are going to take a stand, not only with verbal condemnation, but legislative action. And in particular, um, you know, ensuring that we have zones around places of worship, whether it's a synagogue or a mosque or a gurdwara or a church, any, any form of, uh, places where people gather, um, that it is safe. You no, know, Everyone should feel safe. Um, you know, gathering at a place of worship, walking down the street, you know, it just breaks my heart and just makes me so angry to see a racially motivated terrorist hate act, like what we saw in Buffalo, like we saw in London uh, um, last June, uh, we we have to take a stand against it. And, you know, I'm, I'm proud to say I've, you know, worked along with members of other parties with the NA- National Canadian Council of Muslims in, in, you know, putting forward the Our London Family Act and let's just get it passed and let's get it passed with all party support.
0: Climate change. Is this the most important issue of the campaign? I mean, again, you, you are the Green Party leader, so we should talk about this and give it a lot of airtime. But, you know, in, in terms of all the important issues facing Ontario, is this the does, does it feel to you like this is one we're talking about the least?
3: Yeah, it's unfortunate that um, the biggest crisis that we've ever faced uh, <laughs> isn't getting the attention I think it deserves on the campaign trail. I mean, you know, how many reports uh, are going to come from the UN or the International Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, IPCC, saying it's now or never? Um, I mean, already right now in northern Ontario, you're having communities being evacuated due to flood risk. We had six First Nations communities who had to be evacuated last summer due to fires. I mean, this is really starting to impact people's day-to-day lives. The World Health Organization says climate is the biggest threat to people's health. But I also understand why people are so concerned about the cost of living crisis that we're facing, because that it affects your immediate, the ability to you know, pay the rent or the mortgage, put food on the table and pay the bills right now. And so the message I've been trying to deliver in this campaign We can address the affordability crisis people are facing and the climate emergency at the same time. I mean, electrifying our transportation systems, making public transit uh, more affordable, more reliable, uh, more available. I mean, one of the fastest ways we can do that in this region is having, you know, better inner city bus connections. I can't believe it's 2022 and I cannot take a bus from Guelph to KW or Guelph to Cambridge or Guelph to... to Hamilton, Guelph to Brantford, can't get an express bus really from Guelph to Toronto. Like the fastest way we could actually provide affordable climate-ready transportation for people is to expand bus service. And then of course we got to pa- you know, do all day two-way go. Our pl- we have a plan around making electric vehicles and electric bikes, new and used electric vehicles, by the way, you know, affordable for the average person. Um, because uh, you know, if you do have to drive a car, you know. Cost you five bucks to fill up an electric vehicle versus hundred bucks for for a gasoline powered car, and also when it comes to people's utility bills, we've put forward an aggressive plan to provide people with a rebate of up to fifteen to twenty thousand dollars to retrofit their home to make it more energy efficient, helping them save money by saving energy that would also create fifty two thousand good green jobs. So there's a lot of way ways we can address. For on food, my gosh, we've put forward a proposal to bring in a grocery code of conduct to stop the price gouging and price collusion you're seeing among the major food retailers to help people with food prices. And, you know, my gosh, if Doug Ford is going to pave over the farmland that feeds us, it's even going to make us more susceptible to these global food price shocks we're seeing with this senseless invasion of Ukraine. So I feel Mm. like the Ontario Greens were putting forward concrete plans that will make life more affordable for people while addressing the climate emergency. But certainly I'm going to, you know, be emphasizing the need to address the climate crisis uh, in, in the leaders debate on Monday night.
0: Yes. Uh, which unfortunately will have happened by the time this interview goes to air. <laughs> um, but I'm, I'm sure there'll be recaps. People can consult the, it... You know, you touched on about 12 different things there, but I mean, there there is an intersectionality to these issues. Right. Sol- solving housing doesn't just or, or solving housing doesn't mean you just solve housing. Solving exactly. transit doesn't mean you just solve transit that, that, you know, there there is an intersectionality to all these things.
3: Oh, absolutely. I mean, the number one issue people are telling me is housing affordability is the number one issue of this campaign. And, you know, I'm proud to say the Ontario Greens put forward a housing affordability strategy last June that, you know, Toronto's largest circulation daily newspaper said it's a masterclass plan in delivering the solutions we need. But at the same time, you know, other publications pointed out that it not only is addressing the housing affordability crisis, it's doing, it's also addressing the climate crisis because it's showing a pathway forward where we can build communities where people live, work, play and shop locally So they're not forced into any of these long, expensive, soul-crushing commutes where you essentially drive until you qualify for a mortgage. Like, that isn't the kind of life or communities people want to build. I mean, that's the kind of life, I guess, is Doug Ford's vision with, you know, these super sprawl highways that he's proposing. Mm -hmm. But the Ontario Greens vision is, is let's address the housing affordability crisis by making sure we build enough affordable housing supply in the community you love, near where you work, near where your family and friends live, so you don't have to commute so far, and in doing so, uh, contribute to the climate emergency.
0: All right, we've mentioned housing, so I'm just going to review briefly what the the Greens are proposing. Uh, 182,000 new permanently affordable community housing rental homes over the next decade, including 60,000. Permanent support of homes with wraparound supports, uh, renewing 260,000 community housing units over the next decade, resuming the homelessness consensus that was canceled by the Ford government, and utilizing a housing first model to ensure that stable permanent housing solutions uh, are the first priority. Uh, the question is: I, I think a lot of people would hear that, and, you know, Mike, that sounds great, but the crisis is here. The crisis has been you know, felt pronouncedly, especially over the last two and a half years because of of pandemic conditions. So um, how quickly could this be put into action?
3: Well, an important part of our strategy, which you didn't mention, and I'm going to right now, Adam, is um, our efforts to clamp down on rampant speculation in the housing market. Mm -hmm. So we're proposing not only the non-resident speculation tax but also a vacant homes tax. And we're the only party talking about a multiple home speculation tax where your third home or more that is purchased, you would be taxed on that. Because one of the challenges we're facing, it's just within our existing housing supply, in many cases is now being bought up by either Deep-pocketed corporations are wealthy speculators who are outbidding first-time homebuyers in their ability to purchase a home. I mean, we, we see that in university communities like Guelph when it comes to student housing rentals, for example. You know, we want to make sure that homes are for people, not speculators. And so we believe the vacant homes tax and the multi home speculation tax will actually free up some of our existing housing supply immediately for first-time homebuyers. And then the components that you've talked about are really targeted to more um, addressing people who are struggling to find an affordable place to rent and or just a place to have a roof over their head, period. So we've got to address that part of the continuum as well. In the mid 1990s, both the provincial and federal government were very involved in putting money on the table to support nonprofit co-op and community-based housing solutions. We believe Ontario should do that again. And uh, we've put forward a costed platform that shows how we can do that, building 182,000 deeply affordable community rental homes, which would include the 60,000 permanent supportive housing spaces with wraparound mental health and addiction supports, because we know that's going to be critical to addressing uh, particularly homelessness in our communities and a big part of our plan, too, is 22,000 Indigenous-led, Indigenous-owned housing solutions because we know a disproportionate number of unhoused or precariously housed individuals are Indigenous peoples, and we need to have Indigenous-focused solutions. So we have a suite of solutions that really help address um people all along the continuum. And one we haven't talked about yet, if I could be just really brief sure, is sure. elders. Um, we need to create opportunities for seniors, especially who want to downsize uh, and, and, you know, age in place, but maybe in a smaller home than the one they raised their family, which would then free up more, um, you know, family size housing spaces for young families. But oftentimes those seniors don't have a place to go. And so having appropriately sized housing for them and having solutions like co-housing, there are still some municipalities that don't allow co-housing or create huge barriers. I mean, we've even seen that with some co-housing proposals here in Guelph, where you have a number of seniors now who are wanting to live independently in a um, right-sized home but also they don't want to be isolated and lonely. And so having some options like co-housing um, creates affordable spaces for our elders, which then frees up more uh, single family homes for growing families.
0: Again, there's that intersectionality because a lot of seniors live by themselves. And if there were some more co-housing opportunities that would let them create, com- create communities uh, that would you know, help, help that other problem as well. Absolutely. Along with this, too, and uh, I'd like to get uh, you to talk about this. The Green Party's proposed doubling the ODSP rates. Um, I guess. Is is it a matter of will that that's keeping, it like or, you know, is it a matter of ideology? Because when you look at the rates and, you know, this may be throwing you a softball, but, you know, we're talking about seven hundred dollars for single people, we're talking about $1,100 for, for people who, for couples. You can't, like, work. where in Ontario can you live on that? Can you live on that anywhere? And, you know, th- this seems like another one of these issues that has been, you know, stagnant for decades. Like, when was $700 affordable?
3: Exactly. I mean, that's exactly why the Ontario Greens called our platform New Solutions to Old Problems. Uh, you know, like, we, we just can't allow people to live in legislated poverty. The costs to our society are extraordinary. The cost to people's lives are devastating. Um, you know, it, according to Feed Ontario, poverty is costing the province $33 billion a year. Mm. But I think even bigger and more important to that is the devastating impact it's having on people's lives who are being forced to live in in just literally legislative poverty. It's a policy choice. We can either choose to pass policies to make sure our social assistance rates at least bring people up to the low income cutoff level or not. And so that says a lot about the kind of society we live in. And I'm just proud to say that the Ontario Greens have really led the charge uh, on this issue. And it's become a campaign issue over the last week. And I think Mm -hmm. people, activist groups, particularly representing people with disabilities, have really amplified it. And here's the bottom line is, is what the and we'll get to the NDP in a second. But what (laughs) the liberals, NDP and conservatives are proposing would actually leave social assistance rates lower than when Mike Harris left office. Like, imagine that. Imagine how people sort of remembered Mike Harris And the 22% overnight cut to social assistance rates and what a devastating impact that had on on people's lives, the liberals, NDP, and conservatives were saying, it's okay to have the rates lower than when Mike Harris left office. We just felt as Greens, that's completely unacceptable. And so we've come up with a fiscally responsible way to uh, double social assistance rates. So we bring people out of legislative poverty and, you know, Uh, Adam, I've joked about this with you and every time Steve Paikin interviews me for the agenda, he always comments, well, Mike Schreiner always says he wants other parties to steal the Greens idea. I've never seen it happen in real time like we've seen it over the last few weeks. On, On housing, one of them, the NDPs, actually amended their platform three times now to try to keep up with the Greens on housing affordability solutions. And then on social assistance rates, we were pushing others are pushing and doug ford was the first to go okay instead of freezing them we'll raise them five percent which still Mm -hmm. is legislative poverty but there was some movement but i think when when you know we came out so strong on this issue and when doug ford moved a bit um a lot of people started targeting the ndp and liberals and you know NDP's credit they they have moved on this issue um they're going to still force people on social assistance to live in legislative poverty another year, but then they are going to match the greens and doubling social assistance rates. Um, we've committed to indexing them to inflation. Um, I'll have to see if the NDP has, has, or not, I'll, I'll have to double that. I'll double check that. But, um, but you know, to me that's when you talk about leadership mm-hmm. and when you talk about the influence that the Ontario greens have had and the outsized influence we've had Uh, at Queen's Park, you're seeing it in real time during this election campaign as other parties amend their platforms uh, to keep up with the solutions that we're putting forward that are really resonating with the people of Ontario. And I think the reason they're resonating is we've taken the last few years and really listened to people and and then listened to what the challenges are. So whether it's housing, whether it's mental health, whether it's the climate crisis, whether it's social assistance rates and and addressing poverty. Um, We've listened and then we've looked at what are the best practices into the most fiscally responsible and effective way of addressing those challenges and then putting forward those new solutions to problems that have been plaguing uh, this province for a long time.
0: I do want to talk about influence. Uh, We we did talk uh, when we recorded a podcast around christmas time about the whole caucus of one you know jokes and snides you you suffered when you were elected those and we talked about how those kind of gone away but i do wonder about the odds of you going back to queen's park uh if the people of guelph will it um with perhaps uh let's say doubling the size of your caucus or perhaps tripling the size of your caucus and you've been out traveling around the province so i mean how are you feeling about those odds today
3: Yeah, I'm feeling pretty good, Adam. I mean, obviously we have to work hard for it and I'm really working hard to earn people's trust and, and their vote once again, here in Guelph. And I like to run around the province and talk about how greens are working hard uh, to, to earn people's votes, not buy their votes. You know, I'm the, we're the only party to vote against the license sticker gimmicks and and these kinds of election ploys that the other parties have supported. Um, And you know, I'm feeling confident. We, we've, we're running a strong campaign in Perry, Sal Muskoka that feels a lot like how Guelph felt in 2018. Uh, we have Diane Sachs, the former Environment Commissioner, one of the most highly respected um, environmental lawyers in the world uh, running for us in University of Rosedale, being endorsed literally by people who are part of the NDP, Liberal and Conservatives, and a lot of um, independent um, uh you know, high profile individuals as well. I look at Marlene Spruitt and, in, in uh, um, out Frondack Lennox and Kingston area, um, former chief medical officer of health, who did a fantastic job guiding her community through the early days of the pandemic running for us. Look at Carla Johnson down in Cambridge, you know, Ryan Caro, just here in Wellington Halton Hills. We just have such a fantastic slate of candidates. And, and I think we have a real possibility of doubling or even possibly tripling the size of of the Green Caucus, which has me very excited because I keep telling people we need to export more of Guelph to the rest of Ontario. And that's exactly what the Ontario Greens are working hard to do.
0: Mm-hmm. Maybe to wrap up, um, you're kind of candid about your thinking about issues and, and, and sharing, you know, how you vote on things. And I'm not trying to blow smoke. I'm 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 trying to be candid. <laughs> but you know, looking back on your last four years uh, in the legislature, um, what's one thing you would change? Like, what's you know, is is you know, what's something that maybe looking back, hindsight being 2020, you would change about the last four
3: years? Wow, that's an interesting question. I haven't been asked that one, Adam, and I, I'd have to sit and think about it a little bit longer. Usually, <laughs> I have such a ready answer for I know. you. And uh, this one, this one's a bit harder for me. Uh, You know, I I think one, one thing I wished I I could have um, worked harder on or figured out how to stick handle better is going back to the, our London family act. I was working really, really hard to try to bring all four parties together around that bill because I thought it was just so important to pass it before the election. And yeah, there's just so much work you do at Queens park. And you know, I was, I have a reputation of working people in the hallways <laughs> of, um, you know, I was working some of the conservative members pretty hard and some of the NDP members pretty hard to just sort of say, Hey, can we set aside our partisan differences on this and really get it passed? And we just ran out of time. And, and so that's one that I, you know, I wished, I wished I could have maybe had a, had done more on it, to be honest with you. Um, but it's going to be, if if I am lucky enough to be reelected, it's going to be one of my, uh, top priorities. And, um, I think one of the things that, that, um, anyway, so I will, we'll see. I mean, the, the (laughs) challenge is, is the closer you get to an election, the more partisan people become. And Mm. so, it was just it was just hard to get people to work across party lines as much as I would have liked to have seen. But, but that that's one that I, I really wish we could have could have nailed down and gotten past before the election.
0: Well, that was the job interview answer. I didn't work hard enough. My one failing is that I didn't work hard. <laughs> enough. I'm just joshing. You. Anyway, we can do that after four years. Uh, Mike Schreiner, I appreciate your time and uh, good luck on the campaign trail. And we'll see what happens on June 2nd.
3: Yeah, Adam, thank you for that. And I just want to say one thing on the one MPP thing. Mm -hmm. I won't give you the whole list now because we're at the end of the interview, but (laughs) it is amazing what one MPP can accomplish for their writing when they're willing to do politics differently. And I think that's one of the things I've proven at Queen's Park. And I'm hoping that some of the other MPPs from other parties uh, learn from that and we have less hyper partisanship in, in the next parliament.
0: Well, fingers crossed. Thanks, Mike. Take care, Adam. (laughs) Okay. And that was our MPP. Uh, He may be our MPP again. We'll have to wait and see. His name is Mike Schreiner. Election day is June 2nd. We have at least one more week of interviews to go. Two, possibly three. Um, We are waiting for final confirmation on one of those interviews. And if you follow the news, you might be already guessing which one, which interview that might be. But I'm not going to jinx it until we're literally sitting here next week um wondering where it all went wrong there i think i unjinxed it there
1: but yeah but no one will beat mike in terms of record appearances so we need to give him a little trophy or something because yeah he has to be our number one well i mean we can we can count off the
0: the links on on our website but we'll have to leave that uh for 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 offline chat uh yep. that is it for this week's edition of the show we hope you liked it if you want to stay connected to us at our website go to opensourcesguelph.com. you can find us on facebook at open sources newswire and on twitter at os underscore guelph you can listen to this show again by downloading it from our website every monday or through the guelph podcast channel on podbean or through your favorite podcast app at apple stitcher google TuneIn, in and spotify you can find me personally on Twitter and Instagram at Adam A. Donaldson, and you can check out my news and politics site at guelphpolitico.ca.
1: I'm Scotty Hertz on Facebook, Scotty Hertz on Twitter, and for all things CFRU, particularly when the fantastic shows are on, check out cfru.ca slash shows. Yes, indeed. And uh, stay
0: tuned for more shows coming up here on CFRU 93.3 FM, cfru.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. We will be back next Thursday at 5 p.m., trying to think of something clever to say, but it's been a long election, but uh, we'll leave it there. We'll see you next week on Open Sources.